does cold emailing get you in a cold sweat? Is reaching out to people you've never met before something you've put off as a copywriter because, well, you don't want to seem like a spammer or face rejection over and over again? Well, I'm here to tell you that it doesn't have to be that way. And our guest, Laura Lopich, is going to share some secrets about cold emailing for copywriting success. Hello and welcome to the Hot Copy Podcast. My name is Belinda Weaver. I'm flying solo today, but only without Kate. I have a very special guest, Laura Lopich, and Laura's going to be talking to us about cold emailing. It's going to be a great podcast if the idea of cold emailing really does put you in a cold sweat. Hello, Laura. Thank you so much for sharing some time with us today. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, I think this is going to be a really great episode because as I mentioned in the intro and and has been part of so many conversations when I've mentioned you're coming on the podcast, sending emails or reaching out to people that we don't know is a stressful, stressful exercise. And it's something that many of us will do only if we absolutely have to. So we've got a lot of great things we're going to talk about today, but for anyone who doesn't know Laura, I want to quickly read your uh, great bio. Laura Lopich is an email conversion copywriter and strategist for startups, service professionals, and SaaS companies who want to send those infamous money-making emails you've heard so much about. Her expertise lies in cold emails, which are the hardest email marketing channels to master. One of her cold emails brought in $20,000 in revenue. She's worked with Kissmetrics, Crazy Egg, Get Response, Copy Hackers, Milkshake. She's written emails for people like Joanna Weeb and Selena Sue. And she's going to share some of her wisdom, some of that pure magic for getting sales today. So, Laura, I thought we could kind of just get the ball rolling with a little bit of backstory. How did you get into copywriting in the first place? It was like the back door. <laughs> it was <laughs> definitely not the front door. <laughs> um, I started, I graduated with an English literature degree and everybody's like, so do you want to teach? I said, no way. I Thank you, but no way. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's basically so many things that I could do with an English literature degree. And I really liked um, the idea of setting it up like a hypothesis, like an argument, and then arguing points to persuade someone to do something. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, lawyer, of course. What, what else would I do, right? So I, instead of applying to law school, I decided to test it out in the real world. And so I got a job at a law firm. Long story short, fast forward like seven or eight years later, And I had worked my way up from the very bottom at the law firm, filing the paperwork to being the, one of the top senior uh, paralegals who got to go to trial. And it was really cool. And I really liked to see, like get an inside glimpse into how lawyers formulate their arguments, how they argue, how they can pick out like the nuances. But basically if I wanted to continue with that career path, I had to go to law school and I had to sign up for like homework every night of the week and weekends and mornings and lunchtime and say goodbye to a life. Right. (laughs) Um, So I said, no, thanks to that. And 
due to some weird coincidences, I ended up quitting my job at the law firm and striking out on my own as an entrepreneur where I signed up for homework every night of the week during oh, lunchtime. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, it's different because it's doing something I love and it's funding my dreams and my future instead of my boss's next cruise. Yes. So I realized when I was in that transition period of like leaving a cushy full-time job where some days I really did get paid just to sit on my butt in front of a computer and look busy that I had, I had to figure out what kind of skills I could make money off of. Mm. And I realized that one of the skills I cultivated over those last eight years was a way to frame arguments like basically set up a path to help someone go from and not really interested to yes, how to be persuasive and how to do it in an email actually, because a lot of a lawyer's job is CYA making sure that if stuff does go sideways, you kind of have a document trail to say, look, I actually asked you to do this. Yeah. And yeah. And you agreed and now you're waffling. So I did a lot of things by email. I set up meetings. I persuaded people to do stuff. I confirmed things. Um, Basically, in short, I persuaded people to do stuff they weren't really sold on doing in the beginning. And so I realized, oh, that's actually copywriting. And oh, yeah, that's email copywriting. So that's how I got into it. Definitely the back door. (laughs) Oh, I love that. But you know what? I think this is almost every copywriter I know does have that kind of winding path. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's very common. And one thing we always say is all those skills you bring to copywriting, all that life experience does make you a better copywriter. So I love that you hit upon copywriting as your thing. Did you go straight into knowing that cold emailing was your superpower or... (laughs) Was that a bit of another journey too? Oh my gosh. That was one that I was kind of like put into a little bit screaming and kicking and a little bit like I had no idea this was a cool thing. Um, because you know, just before you tell the story, yeah. I'm so glad because if you had said, oh yeah, I went straight <laughs> to cold emailing, I would be like, you're kind of weird. So- <laughs> <laughs> no, definitely no. I had no idea that this was a, like a good skill to have. And B, that I was even good at it because I wasn't in the beginning at all. I was so bad at cold emails. But when I, when I started my business, I went from that cushy full-time job to, oh, now I got to like find that income. (laughs) I got to make my mortgage. I got to prove to myself, my mom, my husband, my dogs that I could like make this work. Right. Yeah. And so I also didn't have a budget. I had like a $200 client a month. That was a good month, by the way, 200 bucks a month. Um, And so I had to figure out like, how could I basically conjure up clients from thin air? Mm. And I realized I have this skill. I could do emails. I could probably maybe persuade someone to like get on a phone call with me. It was a pretty low ask. And then I would figure out the rest of it. So I, I started sending cold emails. 
and just refining your technique by the sounds of it. And yep. I know, you know, when, when people are asking that, how do I get clients when I don't have a portfolio and I don't have an experience? And one of the, the tips that um, I often give my groups is, you know, relationships will yield much better results than just kind of randomly asking people. But you still need to reach out and spark that first bit of a relationship too. So that first contact with anyone is that kind of cold pitch and it's how you navigate the before the ask and during the ask and after the ask that will determine how successful it is. Also, I think, but that's what you're going to share with us today. So um, when I think about cold emailing, using that phrase specifically, I think about emailing someone I don't know at all to drum up work. I think about getting in touch with them and saying, can you please give me some money and I'll write you copy. <laughs> but I remember you saying on Facebook that there are actually lots of different types of cold emails. So could you run us through those? Yes, definitely. There are a lot of different types. And yeah, usually people think of that one that you just told, said, you know, how do I get more clients? Um, and I just want to go back real quick. And it is about relationships. Like what you just mentioned just before this, it is really about relationships. Like so if you start to see your cold emails, whatever type of cold email, and there's seven, we'll see if I can remember all seven. But, <laughs> um, but if you keep that, that type of mindset going into writing your cold email, that you're actually just starting up a conversation and you're not actually asking your recipient to, hey, let's go around the corner and get married. You're yeah. actually asking like, hey, I'm in a bar and I see the seat next to you is open. Can I sit there? And can I maybe like ask what you're drinking and start up a conversation? That's all a cold email is. Nice. It's not about like the quick Britney Spears Vegas wedding style kind of thing. <laughs> Definitely. That not. really takes the pressure off as well. When you think about, is this seat taken? Mm -hmm. That's much friendlier and easy to ask than, can you give me some money? <laughs> Yeah. It's a lot easier for your recipient to say yes. And then you can start like leading them down like, oh, hey, I kind of like you. Oh, hey, we kind of get along together. Wouldn't mm. it be kind of cool if we work together? Oh, look, you've got this problem. I could solve it. Way less pressure. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for pointing that out before yeah. we get stuck in. Okay, so going back to those seven types of outreach emails. Actually, Laura, rather than digging into those seven types, I think most of our listeners are really going to be interested in the kind of emails that will deliver jobs. So, so let's just focus on those. And for anyone listening, I'll get Laura to send me the link to the Facebook Live she did on those seven types of cold outreach emails, and you can dig into that as well. But let's kind of cut to the meat of what we're talking about, the process. And when you're trying to drum up some work, is it just a numbers game? Is it just you need to send a lot of emails and you'll get some replies and that's good enough? No, that's actually no. a myth. <laughs> that all those like mass cold emailing people, marketers do just to make themselves feel better about their shoddy numbers. Yes. Love it. Really like industry rate for an open rate on a cold email is like 2%. So that gives wow. you an idea of like how many emails they're really actually sending and how low the bar is for you to come in and send a, a really 
a good email that actually doesn't have to be spectacular. It doesn't have to win like a Pulitzer Prize. It doesn't have to win any awards. It just has to be better than all the other emails that are being sent. And so that's a relief. Yeah. Is, that makes you feel better, huh? <laughs> so if you look at like the cold emails that come into your inbox, most likely they're very generic. Dear sir, madam, we are not to nitpick on the SEO industry, but we are an SEO firm and we could help you get to number one on Google. It doesn't mm. tell me why I should care. They're not telling me what kind of benefits I'll see. If my website is number one, do I get more clients? Do I make a hundred thousand? Do I make a millionaire? Tell me how I, why I should care. Mm. And so when you start answering those questions for your reader, you really don't have to send a lot of cold emails. I have a lot of my students actually send maybe 10, maybe 20, and they get phenomenal, phenomenal responses. Um, I'm thinking of one, one of my students, she sent, I think she said nine emails. She got seven responses that were positive quickly. And she had already, by the time she emailed me to tell me about this, she had already completed work. So on one of those clients projects. Oh, that's good. All right. So, so what has to happen? How do you prepare to send this great email because I it's and I, I'm gonna go out on a limb here and say you can't just have this super generic template that you churn out to everyone. There's you've got to be able to customize it a little, surely. Yes, definitely, definitely. So the number one thing is to to research your recipient. And that just means indulge your internet stalker a little bit. Let them go full reign, 15 minutes on this person. See what kinds of things you can dig up. See what kinds of um, kind of like connection points you could possibly make with this person. Um, for example, when I was sending cold emails to launch my business, I noticed this SaaS company that I was about to cold email, they were headquartered in DC. And I, it was like one of the last cold emails of the day for me. So my brain was pretty freaking tired. <laughs> but um, at the time, my brother lived in DC. And so I made a connection point and I said, Oh, my brother lives there. I love that city. It's one of my favorite ones to visit. And it was like a day later that the, the guy emailed me back and said, yeah, I love working and living in DC. You know, thanks so much for emailing at the time. We don't have like any, any need for your services, but I'll keep you in mind. It was a mm. really positive response. It was just a, Timing's not that great right now in response, which is cool. So see if you can find like those common connection points or see if you can find out how what you're pitching relates to one of their business goals. Um, and usually a business goal is make more money. So how yeah. can you help that company make more money or how can your offer tie into their current strategy based on Maybe they're launching. Maybe they're releasing something new. Maybe um, they just launched. And I'm thinking about like an online course creator. Maybe you were on their list and you saw that they just launched and you noticed like a couple things in their emails that they could have improved on to increase conversions. That's a spot for you to reach out and say, 
hey, I'm on your list. I noticed this. Um, would you like help with this for your next launch? Who wouldn't say yes to that? Mm. So if you were going to reach out to someone in that way, because one of the, the tips I've shared is, you know, to get those early portfolio pieces, for example, look to local businesses and help offer to help them with their marketing. And would you, one of the things I recommend is give them a little bit of help for free, like maybe give them like, this is um, a, a better headline or this is how you could update your call to action. And if you want more help, come and talk to me. Or would you in the kind of emails that you teach people how to write, just leave it as that, I can help you with this, get in touch. It, it really depends. Like that's a great question. And it depends because if you feel like basically at the end of the day, you want to give them value, but value I feel like in today's world is so hyped. Um, and so people, especially copywriters feel like they have to kind of give away the whole farm and you mm. actually don't because value can be as simple as pointing them in the right direction. So you could, in my example for like, say an online course creator, in your email to them, say something as simple like, in this email subject line and this email subject line, I just noticed a few tweaks around your call to action or how you positioned it. Um, would you like to get on a call to discuss further? Yep. And that gives them some boundaries and a clear idea of what exactly you guys will be talking about. So they're not caught off guard when you're like, okay, so let's talk about those emails. And they're like, what? Yeah. <laughs> What's wrong with my emails? Right. <laughs> my sister-in-law wrote them. <laughs> right. When, so you've done a bit of research. How many emails would you normally suggest? And I love the fact that you said 15 minutes because that's, that's not a morning being bombed. But how many prep companies or how much prep would you do for companies Hang on, I need to work out the words in this sentence. How many companies would you be prepping for in, say, one campaign of cold emailing? Are you talking about, you go, oh, I'd do five to 10 or I'd do 20 to 30? Okay, yeah. Um, so for that, I actually recommend you set like a weekly goal for yourself because what I noticed is personally, my energy will kind of like ebb and flow over the week. Like Monday, I might be super gung-ho about sending out a lot of emails. But if I hit my daily goal for Monday and I'm like, eh, like I could go more, but I hit my goal. So check that off. Mm. I'm not going to feel inclined to like knock out more. Even though Tuesday, I might come to my desk and be like, oh my gosh, why did I pick this? Why am I doing yeah. this to myself? <laughs> So set like a weekly goal of how many emails, how many companies you want to cold email. And then for me, when I was starting out cold emailing one-on-one -on -one like this, I had a goal of 25 companies a week. So that broke down to five a day. So I could keep myself on track, but if I had like a really good day, I could knock out more. But if I had a bad day, then I had some like time to make up for it. Yeah, because I imagine with this kind of stuff, like so so much of our communication, it's a funny thing to, you've got to feel confident and, dare I say, happy when you're reaching out to people, especially people you don't know, because it does get infused into the words you write. So if you're feeling 
like you're not going to nail it and you're having a really bad day, that's not a great day to write an out, outreach email. Would you agree? Yes. I am so glad you brought this up because it is a huge thing that like no one talks about, but that energy that you bring to the screen somehow invisibly transcribes itself into the words you're writing and it comes out on the other side. Mm. I don't know what kind of magical power those ones and zeros have, but there's something going on. And so yeah. when you come to write your cold email, you got to feel excited about it. You got to feel like pumped up at the possibility of possibly working with someone, of being able to solve their problem. And you're not actually, as soon as you take that focus away from yourself, like, I feel scared. I feel so nervous. Like, I think they're going to say no. And you shift it to them. And like, they're going to be so happy to hear that I have a solution. They're going to be so happy to hear that I can help them, you know, increase conversions on this sales email for their launch. They're Mm going to be so happy that they have like a starting point for maybe a case study because I'm referencing this specific testimonial from their website. They're going to be really excited to hear from me. Yeah. And I'm going to help them. That's a whole different mindset. And that's going to get put into your email. Um, and people react to that in a really positive way. Yeah, absolutely. As you, as you said, I don't know what kind of witchcraft it is, but you know, <laughs> you have to feel it. If you're going to write it, it will come through. Um, and you know, I got an email recently and it's, it's something slightly different, but it was about getting a, being a guest blog on my blog. And I, you know, you, everyone gets so many of these, but the email, well, I could identify the structure of, you know, how it came together. And I'd like to talk about structure in just a minute, but this guy had obviously spent some time, not only looking at what I did in my content, but he'd spent some time crafting a really customized experience. It didn't feel like a templated email to me. It was very conversational and very relevant and very personal. And I actually wrote back and said, I normally just delete these emails, but I just want to salute you, sir, because I read it and I am interested in what you've got to say. And that's the power of just taking a little bit of extra time to do that prep And think about how the person is going to respond to your words. Yeah, definitely. Just think about like how you can answer your recipient's question, which is what's in it for me. And Mm. it sounds like this guy did a fantastic job. And it probably, my guess is it took him like 10 minutes checking you out online, seeing what kind of things you're up to, what kind of topics you, you talk about, and then brainstorming how his pitch fits into what you're already doing. Yeah. And also not using the same language as everybody else (laughs) is using online. And I think part of that is talking like a real human. Oh my gosh. Yes. (laughs) So we've, we've made a couple of um, inferences about structure. Can you walk us through the kind of general components you've said, what's in it for me, but how, when someone goes to write a cold email, where, where do they begin once they've got their information, their little nuggets? Yeah, definitely. So um, you really want to start off if you can with a compliment, like make that your first line, some sort of compliment because research has shown that flattery, whether 
the recipient feels like it's sincere or insincere actually makes um, a connection between the two people. It actually makes the giver of the compliment more liked by the recipient of the compliment. Even if they think it's like, oh, that was just kind of a fishy, like, you know, whatever compliment, throwaway compliment. They still like you for it. So try to find some sort of way to compliment them. Um, And then, and then start talking about um, kind of setting up the problem in a way where you can say like, Hey, I was checking out your website and I noticed da da da. Mm -hmm. Like what's the gap that you noticed that you're setting yourself up to fill. Okay. So um, if you're writing websites, you say, Hey, I noticed that your about page is actually truly all about you say this in a nice way, of course, Mm -hmm. but research has shown that when you phrase your about page and make it more about your customer and how you can help them, your conversions skyrocket. And in this part, if you can like prove it, like back yourself up with like a research or a stat or some, something along those lines, it makes your point stronger. I love that. See if you can also relate it to, and then kind of like move into a little bit deeper of like what's in it for me, which always goes back to money. So if you can help them save more time by, you know, you writing your, their website for them, what does that look like in terms of time for them? Time saved and time saved can translate into if they're serving clients one-on-one How many more clients could they put into that now empty parcel of time in their calendar and how much more money could they conceivably make? So don't just talk about like 10 hours a week. I'm like, okay, I have no idea what that means in my life. Like, does that mean I get more sleep? Um, Does it mean I make $10,000 more a month? More sleep or 10,000? I'm probably going to go with 10,000 because I can't do it. And well, I mean, one of the things I always say is saving time and saving money and reducing stress is all very well and good, but it's what you do with those things yes. that is more meaningful. Yes, totally. And, and it's more concrete, it's more specific. So if you can be as specific as possible in how you're helping them answer that question, what's in it for me, be specific, mm. be specific. If you want um, some really quick ways to get to start working on the structure and you hate writing from a blank, a Google document, like I do. And I'm sure you do. (laughs) I did put together like a really special package uh, resource for you guys where you'll get two cold email templates and you'll actually get two um, real life cold emails. So you kind of see like the before and the after. And so you can start working with that it's a little bit like Mad Lib style. So not, it's not going to be like cookie cutter. You're going to be putting your own language in there. It's going to sound like you, but you won't have to be writing from a blank Google document. That's awesome. We'll link to that in the show notes, but I mean, that also raises a really good point about templates as a whole. They are just a starting point. You have Mm -hmm. to make it your own. Definitely. Definitely. Cause people can, people can hear the difference, especially if you're, 
if you're, if one email kind of sounds off from the others or how you talk, you just want us to show up as you, which also is pretty scary yes. because you're risking being seen and therefore being rejected. And a lot of this is confidence to actually be seen because yeah. it is hard to, because a lot of the times we don't even get a no, we get radio silence. Yeah. And that's another hard part. So if you, if you are sending cold emails, I strongly recommend um, installing some sort of software on your email to track opens. So Boomerang does this for free. Streak CRM for Gmail does it for free. Um, but that will give you like an idea of if your subject line is working and some reassurance on if they actually opened your email or not, which helps mm. a lot in knowing whether or not to follow up or whether or not to try a new subject line the next time you send out your email. Mm. So um, if we, we talked about you start with kind of opening the email, setting up the problem, yep. trying to prove it as much as, as possible to add credibility. Yep. And then do you transition into your ask? And then you do like a quick brief introduction. So this is usually uh -huh. about paragraph three or four. And you'll notice I said paragraph, not sentence. Your mm -hmm. cold email needs to be as long or as short as it needs to be to help your recipient say yes. It's going to be super hard for you to convince someone to get on a call with you if that's your goal of your cold email, if, you're, if you only have three sentences to work with. I, I don't think I can convince my husband to do something no. <laughs> in three sentences. So convincing a stranger is going to be like way harder. So give yourself the space and give yourself the permission to use a little bit more space. And so by like paragraph three or four, that's when you introduce yourself and you set yourself up as the solution. You, so you could say something along the lines of, hi, I'm Laura. And I help companies like yours send cold emails to get new clients. Mm. Phrase your job in terms of how you help their problem. Because if I said email conversion copywriter or someone, they'd be like, okay, that's great. Whatever. I have no idea Bye. what that means. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And we then like our titles. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then for the last, the last paragraph, that should be your only question. And this is going to be your call to action. And likely for most of us as copywriters, it's going to be get on a call with me. Mm -hmm. Take them to the next step in your sales funnel. How do you, how would you overcome? Because I know while I want clients to have a discovery call with me because it allows me to build rapport and be super charming and persuasive and all those kind of things. When I get asked to jump on a call, I'm like, I'm busy. I don't want to get on the call. <laughs> How do you overcome that? Well, for that one, I usually will suggest specific dates and times in my initial cold email. I'm not asking um, kind of for like an open-ended call, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm suggesting specific dates and times. And that usually helps them bypass that, like that question of, 
oh, getting on a call. Now I have to open my calendar and figure out dates, blah, blah, blah. And this is horrible. going to sell at me for an hour. Yep. So with your call to action, be as specific as you can. Tell them how this call will look before it actually happens. Cause then you're also helping them set expectations. Mm. So for example, um, my next step in my sales funnel is a 30 minute zoom call. So that's what I would say. I would say, are you open next Tuesday? Um, and then put the date. So there's no confusion yes. at time listed in their time zone. No confusion again. Mm-hmm. Um, for a 30 minute zoom call to discuss further, or you could say, um, to see how I might help you solve this problem, something along those lines. Mm-hmm. I love the specificity there. And I love that tip about think about it in their time zone and make a date. You want to make the the brain process to saying yes, as smooth as possible. Yes, definitely. Awesome. So you mentioned follow-up earlier as well. Yep. You send your email. What does a follow-up look like? How soon? Okay. So a follow-up email does not have to be complicated. We tend to overcomplicate them, first of all. <laughs> a follow-up email, you should keep it in the same thread as your original email. So kind of yeah. like find that original email in your inbox, hit reply, keep it all in one thread because yes. that will help your recipient be like, who's this person? What? And then yeah. scroll huh? down and get refreshed. Yes. Um, by the way, I've been on the receiving ends of cold emails that haven't done that. And I'm like, I don't know who you are or why you're emailing me or what you're talking about. So delete. Bye. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So, and also the added benefit to keeping it all in one thread is now you get that very powerful re in your subject line. Yes. So it makes it look like it's part of a conversation that's ongoing. So that also creates some trust on your recipient's part and you're not faking the trust. It's actually real because you have communicated with them in the past. Yeah. So use that when you can, because that will set you apart from those spammers who use the re on their initial email and that, oh my gosh, that makes me mad. Then, yeah, I get, I've got caught up by that where I'm like, oh, you must have been starting a conversation. Oh, no. Oh, no. Yes. Yes. So keep your follow-ups in one thread and follow up like two to three business days after your initial email. Give them, like, think about the time of year. If it's like around a holiday, think maybe I'm thinking of Christmas, mm-hmm. you know, maybe they, they were out over the two weeks. And they forgot to put an out of office up. So give them some leeway depending on the time of year. Maybe, maybe it's like a week later. Who knows? But generally, two to three business days. And then your, your follow-up is as simple as like, hey, Belinda, following up on the blow email. Thanks, Laura. That's it. Oh, that's simple. Yeah, very easy. Your other follow-ups could be as easy as Um, something along those lines, like following up and then just repeat your call to action from the initial email, kind of the Mm -hmm. further away you get from that initial email, keep, keep having them go back to that call to action. 
because you need them to take that action. You need a yes or a no. I love that what's coming through here is it doesn't need to be a big deal. No. But with a bit of forethought and the right mojo in the mood going on and a simple follow-up. These can be really effective. And I love that you also pointed out to everyone that the bar is so incredibly low here that if you just put that little bit more effort in and as copywriters, we love crafting the words. I think we just need to get over the fear around this and we can, it can be very successful. Definitely. And I'm glad you brought up the fear because that is something that I keep hearing from copywriters specifically about cold emails is it's scary to hit send. And it's mm. because it's probably that same fear you, you feel when you hit publish on a blog post or you send your draft to a client, oh. you know, like that, that risk of vulnerability. But if you think back on the first time you did that action versus maybe the last time, you've probably come a long way, I'm guessing. You've learned how to manage the fear and get past it and still do the action. And so it's the same thing with cold emails. With a little bit of practice, your skin kind of toughens up and you're like, oh yeah, I did this yesterday. Oh, I did this the day before. It's not going to be the end of the world if I click send on this cold email. I might get a reply. I might not. Either way, they're not going to come to my door and, and like witch hunt me. It's just, that's right. It's, it's what I do. This is what I do. I click send and I get over it. There's the other part of going, you cannot just sit behind your computer and write a few blog posts and expect a world of clients to come to you. There's SEO and there's content marketing as a long game, but you have to be proactive. I agree. And I also to get a little bit woo-woo on you, but I also think that the universe recognizes the actions that you take and then works in mysterious ways to make those things come to your door and happen for you. But you got to take that first tiny little step in the right direction. And that was the biggest lesson, honestly. I learned over those four months of sending cold emails when I mm. launched, like, just show up. Don't think about all the bad things that could happen. Just show up, do the work, call it a day, take a walk if you need to, but just do it. Just take Mm. some action. I don't, um, I like, I love the woo-woo. I'm not a person that thinks the universe delivers. I would say, just to (laughs) give it a contrast to that, you send the emails, you get the rewards, but you have to send them in the first place. You definitely have to send them. Definitely. Couldn't agree more. <laughs> cool. Well, do you have any resources? Like you've talked about the, the cold email, the two cold emails you're going to share with listeners, which is excellent. Do you have any other resources that you can point listeners to, to help get them started? Yes, I would definitely recommend um, starting with those two cold email templates because they will get you miles ahead of your competition. Speaking of like just sending an email that's a little bit higher than the bar that's currently set. Mm -hmm. Um, So use those as your starting point, start sending emails. And I will tell you that when you sign up for those templates, you'll be put on my email list, which means that you will also get notified about when I open up the doors to my 
online course where I go a lot deeper into cold emailing and strategies and you get more templates, you get more how to's. So if you like this, that that course might be the perfect spot for you to end up. And I sort of, I started, I connected with Laura first by signing up for her two emails. So it's a very, you send out very useful and helpful email sequences. So, you know, if you, if you sort of went, oh, there's going to be more emails, they are very helpful and very useful. Very, I recommend them highly. Thank you. That's really nice to hear. And thank you for sharing that you have a course as well. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And also um, I'll give you a link, Belinda, to a blog post that I wrote where I break down the intricacies behind a cold email that I sent for a client that got a 33% uplift in replies. So it's it's a teardown, which is beautiful because then you get to see what exactly went into it. Perfect. I think that's really useful when, when you can see that kind of live editing and action, you know, I, I find that more useful as well. Awesome. Great. Cool. And where can people find you on the interwebs? (laughs) On the interwebs. Yes. (laughs) You can find me on Twitter. It's at waiting to be read. Or you can find me on Instagram and it's at Laura Lopich, just my name. Okay, cool. And we'll, um, I'll include links to all those places in our show notes. All right. Yes. Now, and uh, regular listeners know this is when we read out a review of the show. And today I've got one from KGB, KGB from Canada. And the review says, I came to learn about copywriting and I've stayed for the sheer brilliant advice that is jam packed in every episode. There is a wealth of information for budding and seasoned copywriters alike. Well, thank you very much. KGB, KGB from Canada. I think This is definitely one of those jam-packed episodes. Of course, when you write a review for us, we will read your review out on the show and it helps other copywriters and entrepreneurs alike find the Hot Copy Podcast. If you have any thoughts about this episode, head to hotcopypodcast.com or, of course, you can find us on Facebook and the Twitter as well. I'm going to include all the resources we've talked about, all the links to Laura in the show notes, and so you can dig into all the extra goodness of cold emailing. I really hope with the tips that you've learned today that you adopt cold emailing as a slightly less scary tactic for 2020 that earns you lots of new projects. So thank you so much, Laura, for sharing your advice today. It's been incredibly useful. Thanks, Belinda, for having me. I've had a great time. And please, everyone who's listening, send a cold email. The first is the scariest. The next will not be as hard. I promise. Just get started. Yeah, I love it. Cool. And well, everyone, have a great couple of weeks and happy writing. Thanks for listening right to the end. If you enjoyed this podcast, you might enjoy my two other podcasts. I have one called The Recipe for SEO Success, which is all about SEO tips, advice, and helping you grapple the Google beast. And my other, The Confessions of a Misfit Entrepreneur, which is all about dealing with the stresses of running your own business. You can find both of them on iTunes and Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts.